0: Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max.
1: And I'm Tina.
0: And we're here to discuss Season 2, Episode 16 of Farscape, The Locket.
1: Yes, this episode was directed by Ian Watson and written by Justin Manju, both Farscape standbys.
0: Yeah, Justin Manju's done a bunch of higher-tier Farscape episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I... so... (laughs)
0: He did Crackers Don't Matter, which is one of your favorites.
1: He did. He did. I'm sorry. I I got distracted by the thought of, you know that, like, tier ranking system that became really popular on YouTube a few months ago?
0: Where S is the highest tier?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, that's a thing from, I want to say anime, but I think it might be just...
1: Well, I don't, I'm an old, so I don't know how long it's been around, but it just filtered down to the things I watch you know, in the last few months. And I was like, what is this? But now I'm like, we should do one of those Farscape episodes. (laughs) And yeah, most of the S and A tier episodes, I feel like uh, Justin Manju would be well represented in those.
0: I mean, I'm mostly familiar uh, with it from the Sonic games I played (laughs) in middle school. Oh, speaking Mm. of, well, not speaking of anything, but uh, we normally record when our baby's asleep, but we're not doing that today. So you might hear some baby noise. Hi, baby.
1: Ready to jump into it?
0: Uh, yeah. I, okay, so I'm going to put this out there. The Locket, I think, was one of my favorite episodes when we were watching it. I don't think I'm going to like it as much when we're talking about it, because wide swaths of it are just straight up nothing happening.
1: That's interesting. Also, the structure of this is really weird in a way that we will talk about at the end. Mm. But it opens, and I love this about Farscape. I love that we don't have to, like, watch all of the crew members, like, on the bridge encountering the thing that they're going to encounter that week and then spend a lot of time debating whether or not they're going to deal with that thing when you know they're going to deal with that thing because it's the title of the episode and then they go deal with the thing
0: is this a really really long shot at uh, star trek
1: i mean not just star trek but yes and i mean i love star trek but it's just
0: you know 96 episodes maybe 20 good ones
1: Farscape starts at the moment that we need it to start at. We didn't need to see them debating whether or not they should go into the mist. We start at everybody looking for Aaron because she went into the mist to do recon and now she's missing.
0: You're going to get into a fist fight with Morty Smith about, uh... When script should start.
1: Well, no, see, this is, this is the thing, right? In that episode of Rick and Morty, that scene, it lives in my brain and it comes out every time I watch anything that starts with an exciting sequence and then goes three weeks earlier, but they don't do that on Farscape. On Farscape, they just start where the action starts and then they trust that the audience can figure out what happened three weeks earlier. Hmm. I, I appreciate that. And and here, you know, we don't need to see that.
0: They flew into a tangle of cosmic pubic hair. Wow. Was that too gross? I
1: mean, it was pretty gross.
0: Was it inaccurate?
1: I mean, I guess not now that you say it.
0: Now you can't unsee it. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah. This stellar mist. Mm.
0: And it's... what a stellar mist it is.
1: <laughs> and I'm sorry,
0: I'm just ruining *Farscape* for you
1: now. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And uh, speaking of not holding our hands, when we see everybody on command looking out into the into the mist, one of the people there is Stark. Cause
0: okay, okay, so I love Stark.
1: Uh huh.
0: I'm just, you know. I'm glad that he's back in the show. I really like him as a character, even though he's, I mean, he's done relatively little. He was in like those two episodes in season one. Uh Uh-huh. I'm kind of bummed out that they're like, oh, I'm glad we picked you up on that commerce planet or whatever. (laughs) Like, I'm, I'm glad that you've returned to the ship after going to do whatever. I would have liked it if he had just been like in his room for everything that had happened in the past season or so. He,
1: he went up to the attic like Chuck Cunningham, and he's just now come back down from the attic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and to to let our listeners know what you were just explaining, yeah, he says that he's returned. And he says this because Zan comes out and is like, Stark, when did you get here? And he says, two days ago, while you were meditating. and Oh yeah,
0: she's been on long meditation binges.
1: What are you suggesting?
0: I mean, I guess it is technically meditation. I'm just like, it's just, she comes from a very sexual religion. So she meditates any harder. She's going to wear out the batteries. I'm sorry, baby. This is normally I try to tamp down the dirty talk and now the baby's here.
1: It's so funny how you like, you really cut out a lot of swearing from your vocabulary, even when the baby's not around to like, just have it be a thing. And yet. And yet. So, yeah. Stark kind of fills in that he took one of the transport pods and took off and he's just now returned. And they suggest that perhaps the reason that Zan came out of her meditation early is because she sensed the danger. She sensed that Aaron was trapped in the fog and no one knows what happened.
0: Zane's wearing a different outfit this episode.
1: She's wearing this weird, like, beaded shawl that I love. I really like the shawl she has over her outfit. And at first I was like, oh, did they put that over Virginia Hay because the makeup is making her sick? So sick that she's soon going to have to leave the show. But then later in the same episode, she's naked and, like, the makeup's all over her body. And I was just like, that poor woman. Hmm. She went through so much for this show.
0: So, Aaron's prowler is coming back out of the fog, and they're like, oh good, I guess she's probably not dead. I and mean, she, if her prowler's she, coming back.
1: She's probably not dead, and she probably hasn't aged 165 years. Oh no!
0: <laughs> it looks like she's been through some kind of battle. Some kind of oldness battle.
1: Yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron is aged 165 years. Also, her... Transport pod is, because she took a transport pod, her transport pod is filled with vines that Zan identifies as being part of a plant that she gave to Aaron because it helps with headaches, but when Zan gave her the plant, it was just a teeny tiny plant, and now the vines have overtaken the transport pod.
0: Yeah, like, John's like, what the hell's with the plant? And Zan's like, oh, I I gave it to Aaron because she was having headaches, and the, you know, root of the...
1: You BS chew on plant. you chew on the leaves. Yeah, you chew
0: on the leaves of the BS plant, and they you know, BS sci-fi name plant.
1: Okay, because I'm like, that's what aspirin is. That's not necessarily BS.
0: Yeah, but she's like the
1: Zakum root.
0: The zakum root, you know. Then old uh, old Aaron opening credits.
1: Yes, we yes we see old Aaron. We go to credits, and when we come back, she wants to know how long she's been gone, and it's. It's only been one day that she's been gone, and yet she's aged 165 cycles. And she's like, I need to get back down to the planet, to my granddaughter. I just came up here to tell you not to go into the mist. But now I need to go back and be with my family that I've had over the last 165 years. And they're like, but Aaron, despite all evidence, we can't believe that you... Have lived 165 years! Okay,
0: this is by far the weakest part of this episode for me. Like, I like this episode. hmm I know I'm saying a bunch of negative things right off the bat. I do really like this episode, but... oh, the fact that we spend the whole first half of the episode with no one believing, you know, that Aaron aged that much due to actual aging, even though all evidence points to that being the case... And Eren's like, why will you believe me? And they're like, Stark, knock her out with your star face powers. So Stark takes off his half mask and stars old Eren into a peace coma, to a relaxation unconsciousness. What exactly is Stark's power? Is this a Zan thing where it's, uh, it's vague, so he can basically do whatever the plot needs him to do?
1: So Stark is a healer.
0: He's like a death priest, right?
1: He he helps usher people to to death
0: mm-hmm.
1: by like calming them by like bringing peace to their spirits. So when he show when he takes off the mask to like show the light, he's he's bringing peace to aaron's spirit you remember when john was um having a breakdown when they were in prison together he did the same thing for john yes yeah now
0: i'm just saying it seems like he's got sort of a whole vague psychic thing going. the, the same thing that xan has going on where his powers seem kind of vague
1: yes yes he does have kind of vague psychic powers much like xan does um and we will see in this episode how they can kind of use them together mm. yeah
0: One would think that that would be difficult, since they're, I would imagine, using two different psychic operating systems, but...
1: (laughs) That's funny. Okay, so I don't want to... I'm hesitating because I don't want to get too into spoilers here, but I feel like we've already talked about this, so... Stark is the character who feels to me like an NPC, right? This is an NPC that was created by the game master to you know lead people where they need to go especially in everything that's happening from this episode on i mean he like just literally shows up out of nowhere and is like hey i brought the plot for the next few episodes with me Mm i i i i i I come bearing plot hooks and then when we lose virginia hay it really does feel like Whatever player was playing Virginia Hay starts playing Stark, Hmm. which is a thing that happens in in games sometimes. And uh, so the fact that they have kind of the same vaguely psychic powers makes sense. Also, Stark kind of goes from being, like, wild, unpredictable NPC who gets your PCs into trouble to being, you know, an actual fully fleshed out character. It just...
0: Does he get people into trouble? I feel like that hasn't been his jam up to this point. Is that going to be his jam until Zan leaves?
1: Well, I mean, he brought a plot hook that will get, I mean, not, not trouble.
0: Well, I mean, he had to because it's not like Dargo was doing anything to find his kid. Whoops. Spoilers.
1: I know, right? It really feels like the Game Master was like, so is he gonna, like, do it? Alright, so, um, that guy- remember the guy that you- you met, like, several sessions ago? Uh, he just showed up on the transport pod and is like, hey, by the way, I'm back, and I know how to rescue your son! Sorry, this is a podcast medium, so you can't see me making an exasperated, uh, Game Master face, but that's what I'm doing.
0: Anyway, so Aaron- old Aaron- is now in a coma, but a good coma- a friendly psychic-induced coma, and everyone's talking about, you know, what's going on? Why does she think that so much time has passed? That's weird. That's definitely not actually what happened for some reason. Why are we not believing Aaron?
1: I, I know, it's so weird. And Zan is like, yeah, I ran tests on her. She's, it's definitely Aaron. It's it's her DNA. She has all the same scars, so she's not a clone.
0: And she's definitely aged this much, but what has aged her body and made her mind think that she lived through that? And I'm like, this isn't that weird. You you had to deal with that, like, in-between dimensions space whale that was, like, a thousand times weirder than, oh, she was on a whatever where time moved differently.
1: Zan's like, I've heard of rapid aging, but this is ridiculous. Also, further spoilers that I kind of want to get into here. I like that Aaron didn't go into a thing that made her age 165 years. What actually happened is that Moya is trapped on a thing that's freezing time. Mm-hmm. So Aaron just had a normal life. It's it's the Moya crew that are weird. I also, there, there's so much, It's it's funny because this isn't really time travel. This is the same kind of like time compression you get in sci-fi stories that have um Formals. i was going to say uh faster than light travel right cuz that's yeah. that's what it does near light travel it warps time around so that you get people aging 165 years while john stays the same age
0: or it's like an alien situation
1: right right where we're where the aging systems are different yeah
0: but, well where no like where they were just frozen for the entire length of the journey so oh. they didn't age well like, Ripley's daughter was dead by the time she got back from the mining thing because.
1: Oh, the movie Alien. I thought you meant the fact that Aaron's going to live to be 200 and John's barely going to make it to one. <laughs> no,
0: no. I meant the movie Alien where a bunch of time passes, but since there isn't faster than light travel, you just have to be in cryo sleep during long, long voyages. So by the time you get back to Earth, it's been hundreds of years and the people you know are dead, but capitalism's going to capitalism.
1: It's also the plot of Red Dwarf, where uh, Lister, the main character, was in was in cryosleep as a kind of uh, imprisonment because he had broken the quarantine rules, and then there is uh, some radiation on the ship, and everyone dies, and the computer keeps him locked in the cryosleep until the radiation dissipates six million years later.
0: Also like in that horrible Chris Pratt movie, Passengers also like i think the abyss was that the plot of is it abyss it's that series of you know, i think sci-fi books and then later a tv show about people who are going to a colony but it's like only their grandkids are going to arrive at the colony because it takes so long to travel across space
1: well i mean generation ships are a thing in in sci-fi uh but, but I, I this I mean, was
0: a recent thing that
1: yeah that's not i, I don't think i've that doesn't sound familiar to me specifically. Called,
0: like the crevasse or the something.
1: The Expanse? The Expanse. Okay, what? I didn't watch The Expanse, but I believe it's about a generation ship. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, but these are all sci-fi tropes. Yes. I want to talk about the time travel trope that is used even though this isn't a time travel story. And that is the eponymous locket. Mm-hmm. Because when trying to prove that she is herself, that she she knows what's up, Aaron points out that the locket has aged 165 years. And it's a time travel thing to have, usually it's a pocket watch, like, continue to age even as people do not because of time travel shenanigans, and that's what happens with the locket. Although John is like, well, it was used when Chiana stole it, so... uh." It was
0: probably already old. (sighs) (sighs) I like this episode, but a lot of this episode is people not believing Aaron, and I feel like it's...
1: It's weird, because why wouldn't you believe Aaron? Like... (laughs) What? Aaron has never shown anything that should make you not believe her.
0: And, like, and then they're, like, going through all these different things where they're like, Oh, what could have made Aaron age like this? How about
1: time? (laughs) Time made her age! Yeah, but, I don't...
0: The thing is, I started off complimenting this episode, but they take so long to get to the actual plot, and they act like it's a mystery how she aged this much, and it's like... You didn't need to kill the first 20 minutes of this episode by pretending something different happened than what obviously happened.
1: So I think the thing that makes it frustrating is that we, the audience, are completely willing to accept that something happened to Erin that caused her to experience time differently. Like, this is the kind of thing you do if you have to pull the audience along with you. But we're already there. So instead, it's just frustrating because you're watching it and you're like, we're already there. Catch up, John!
0: It, in a really weird way, reminds me of the X-Force scene in the second Deadpool movie. Oh, uh uh-huh. Okay.
1: Uh, Please expand on that.
0: Okay, so enough time has passed, so this isn't a spoilers thing, right?
1: Yeah, I think, like, a year is the... Uh, Honestly, for movies, I'd say, like, a month is a good uh, statute of limitations.
0: Okay, so there's a, like, joke thing where Deadpool assembles X-Force, and then there's an admission where they need to parachute into a city and, like, Everyone except Domino dies because there are strong headwinds during the uh,
1: uh-huh. jump.
0: and the thing is, the first good chunk of that movie is dedicated to him assembling X Force, and you know where the joke is going the whole time because they keep mentioning, Oh, it's pretty windy, and I guess I've I'm not generally a fan of this sort of humor, so I did not like the scene, but I feel like what really doesn't make a joke work is when you're very, very obviously leading up to a joke for a very, very long like period of time. Mm-hmm. So by the time it actually happens, it's like, you know, it, the the main element of humor is surprise. Is shock is a twist on expectations. And if you're just doing something that you've been setting up for a huge chunk of your movie, it just makes it feel like you've wasted a huge chunk of your movie. For a gag that does not land.
1: Okay, so this is a weird place to go with this. Mm-hmm. But this is similar to why I don't like Funny Games, the movie. Okay, so Funny Games is a torture porn movie mm-hmm. that breaks the fourth wall and is all like, oh, aren't you terrible people for enjoying torture porn movies? And to show you how terrible you are, we're going to torture you, the audience. And the thing is, I, I, I don't like torture porn movies. I- 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 I dislike them quite a bit and so for them to be like haha, this is punishing you for liking those I'm like no I'm I was already there you didn't need to bring me there
0: and this is why I don't read any of the Deadpool kills the Marvel universe thing because it has that you know oh, you're the bad person who made this happen by reading the book. If you weren't so bloodthirsty, then this book wouldn't have been published and all of your favorite heroes wouldn't have died. And I'm like, okay, that's why I'm not reading these books.
1: Okay, so I don't I don't feel like Deadpool. Okay, we, we, we have a disagreement about the Deadpool kills the X thing.
0: Yeah.
1: I can't really use X as a stand-in here because, because of the X-Men. X-Men yeah. But the Deadpool kills blank things. Um, we, we disagree about their their literary value. And, I mean, I like them because I'm a sucker for a meta story, and I don't feel like they're punishing to, to the audience the way that you do. Like, our interests are the opposite of a Venn diagram. Like, they overlap a lot, and then there's just, like, two teeny little <laughs> slivers where we don't meet, and, and in that teeny sliver where we don't meet is Deadpool.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I don't like Deadpool. I I used to have no strong feelings on Deadpool whatsoever. Like, I read some of his comics. And I still kind of don't have strong feelings on him. I just he takes over narratives when he shows up. Like I really like Strike Force, and then he shows up in like issue seven, and then up oh, it's the Deadpool show, and we're gonna interrupt the uh, the ongoing plot so he can literally explain what the plot is to you. And I'm like, I know. I've been reading the comic. You don't need to come in and explain what things are to me.
1: So, anyway...
0: I mean, nothing happens for the first 20 minutes of this episode. That's why we're going off on all of these tangents. It's just people going up to Aaron and being like, so what really happened? And Aaron being like, I lived 100 whatever years on some planet, you know, out in the mist. And they're like, no, but really, what happened? 20 minutes of that.
1: Okay, so here, here is why we love Aaron. Here, here is why Aaron, Aaron is our girl. Because she gets the plot moving. Chiana comes in to check on her as she's waking up and she's like, hey, are you okay? And Aaron's like, I'm so weak. Could you, could you come over here and, and, and closer? Could you, could you come over here closer? And then she just jams a needle into Chiana's neck (laughs) and injects her with something that makes her pass out so that she can leave. She's like, oh my God, all these people are terrible. I'm out of here.
0: So she goes to see Pilot and Pilot's.
1: I'm sorry. I just, I love this scene.
0: I would like it better if Pilot believed Aaron because Pilot's like, but what really happened to you, Aaron? And Aaron's like, oh my god.
1: <laughs> okay, although in this case, I think it's more like Pilot doesn't want her doesn't want to lose her because they have their their close bond. And she tells him, you know, to tell the crew to stay out of the mist. And then she takes a transport pod and she leaves. And we cut to Dargo being like, Pilot, why did you let her leave? And Pilot's like, because y'all aren't prisoners anymore, remember? Remember that thing where you're autonomous beings who can come and go as you please? So... Put you in your place.
0: John's like, God, fine, whatever, I'll follow her. I'm not going to age two centuries, though, and...
1: But because I say so, John's like, whatever, worst case scenario, I age a couple of hours. Like, what? Why does John think he's going to be immune to this thing that aged Aaron 165 years? Like I don't get a... why they
0: still don't believe that just time moves differently. It's weird because pilots like we're not sensing any time fluctuations and I was like what would that look like? What would that look like, pilot?
1: <laughs> but John gets in his transport pod. I said his, it's it's just a transport pod. It's not the farscape one.
0: So, he lands on this desert ass planet and Aaron's like, "John, what you doing here?" and he's like, "I'm come to bring you back to Moya. You're suffering from delusions probably because you're so old for some mysterious reason and aaron's like oh my god look i'm just here to pick up my granddaughter and then go back to the planet that you know i was living for hundreds of years
1: right because john's like this is a desert planet that appears to be in a constant desert windstorm like you didn't live here for 165 years and aaron's like no i lived on a different planet this is just where the portal comes just came here for the portal John, so John tries to physically pull Aaron onto the ship, and then a woman shows up and fires at him and is like, get your hands off my nana.
0: Yeah, so I really like the casting here. Because, I,
1: know, I know, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Uh, th- I mean, this woman looks like what someone one generation removed from Claudia Black would look like.
1: Yeah, she's like. She looks enough like Claudia Black that I'm like, oh yeah, definitely believe that these two are related, but she doesn't have the, like, identical ancestor going on.
0: Thank God.
1: They resisted the urge to have this person just be played by Claudia Black. And as a result, because I, I feel like if they had done the identical ancestor thing, they would have made John fall in love with and hook up with this person, and that would have been awkward and wrong. And yeah. spoiler, that's not what they're going to do.
0: So, John's like, I'm John Crichton from Moya, and- the granddaughter's like, her?
1: Yeah, poor Aaron. Because she's like, yeah, she used to tell us about this ship, this living ship, and we never believed her. We thought she was crazy. Poor Aaron spent 165 years with her whole family being like, nah, sounds made up. And then she gets to back to Moya and they're like, mm, are you sure about that?
0: So did, did, did these people speak peacekeeper language or how'd that work?
1: Translator microbes.
0: Do they have them?
1: Yeah. Uh, Everyone's uh, got translator microbes. Okay. Or or perhaps this is a colony of uh, f- of free stivations because they, they appear to be stivation.
0: Yeah. So uh, Aaron tells John that he needs to get his ass back through the portal before it closes because it only opens once every 55 cycles.
1: So 55 cycles by her time period, which is eight hours on Moya. Mm-hmm. So on Moya, it opens every eight hours- for her, it opens every 55 years. So that's the that's the trade-off.
0: Yeah. So back on the ship, uh, everyone's talking about how crazy Aaron is and how she, you know, it's the stupidest thing ever. Who who could possibly imagine time moving differently?
1: There's also a weird subplot that I, I don't think we're going to talk about too much. But um, Chiana, we didn't even mention the scene where Chiana was rooting through Aaron's ship to see if there was anything that she could steal in there. Mm. And Darga's like, why don't you... Act like you're one of us. Why? Why are you still keeping yourself separate from us? And it's like, okay, first of all, she was with Rigel when she was trying to steal stuff, so she's at least as much of a part of your crew as Rigel is.
0: Arguably more because she hasn't tried to sell you out as often.
1: I was gonna say, and you know what else she hasn't done? She hasn't cut off pilot's arm, Mister. Oh, we're all a big happy family. Why can't you be one of us? Seems to me like Chiana is definitely one of you.
0: Yeah, I mean. Stealing seems pretty low on the list of horrible things you guys have done to one another.
1: Just because you and Chiana are having all this great sex now doesn't mean that you have, like, any sort of claim on the way she acts. Because she's not acting out of line with people on this ship.
0: Hmm. So, Crichton only has so long to get back to the ship. Fifteen seconds! Fifteen seconds before, whatever, before the portal closes and then whatever happens, happens.
1: Yeah, he doesn't make it. Oh no!
0: Whoopsie doodles.
1: How 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 long
0: is fifty five cycles? Is that like
1: approximately fifty five years?
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Are you going to talk about how terrible John's old age makeup is going to be?
0: Yeah, but you know I'll, I'll hold on until we get there. Okay. So
1: before we get there, we have a sequence where Stark comes to talk to Zan, who is meditating naked. Which I bring up only because. Poor, like, they show so much of Virginia Hayes' skin, and every inch of skin that they show is skin that they had to cover in that paint that was making her so sick. It's like, it totally brings me out of this. I cannot, I cannot watch this without thinking about her being sick. It's, it's, it's a shame.
0: So, God, I love Stark so much, because he's like, I got you some tea, do you want- you want to throw something on before I come in or what's going on here? And she's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, okay. So now that we've got that out of the way, I was thinking maybe we could help John or Aaron or whoever by like side banging. And she's like, yeah, fair.
1: Okay. That's, that's exactly what happens. Um, but to expand on that a little bit, mm-hmm. Stark tells her about this thing, these time halos that happen where things get locked in, in into the space-time continuum. And it's, it's all been theoretical so far. And he can't sense it, but he's got strong psychic powers and she's got strong psychic powers. And both of them apparently have powers that enhance during unity. I mean, we know that's true for Delvians, but I guess it's true for Stark too. So maybe if they bang, they'll be able to sense the time void and... And figure out what's going on.
0: So Zan throws on her sex robe. And...
1: It's funny that she was naked, but she throws on a pretty big robe to have sex.
0: And she's like, okay, so I'm going to take the lead here. And he's like, okay, I'm...
1: Okay, so I I didn't actually show you this video, but I was going to show you this video from uh, a scene from Babylon 5 after this happened. hmm Because... She, Zan goes to put her hands on Stark's cheek. hmm And he's like, no, no, like this. And he moves their hands so that their foreheads are touching and their hands are kind of in prayer pose between their two heads. Because mm-hmm. I guess they have sex slightly differently.
0: I do love, it's a little awkward.
1: Yeah. It just made me think of that. It's like, oh, well, you know, Zelvians have sex by putting their hands on your cheeks. Whatever Stark is, they do the prayer pose thing.
0: So I do love that, uh, Stark is doing kind of a goofier orgasm face than one would do normally to portray some sort of psychic pleasure. Like, he's doing actual orgasm face, which, I, you know.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that he's not worried about looking silly.
0: There's a Mad TV sketch
1: uh-huh. uh
0: huh, about this couple who, uh, they, they're cleaning up after a dinner party, and... Uh, one of them mentions that one of the other couples at the party uh, did, uh, his orgasm face during dessert. huh And the two of them start talking about each other's orgasm faces, critically, and then they start doing them at each other, and then they get horny and have to leave, but <laughs> it's all, you know, like, really goofy facial expressions.
1: Yeah. I mean, sex is ridiculous. So... I, I really like the way this sex scene is shot, by the way. The camera's doing the thing where it circles around the two of them, and we have these kind of 80s-looking special effect lasers behind them.
0: Xanadu.
1: Xanadu. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, God. Eh, if we still had names for our, title, for our episodes, then...
1: If we still used clips from other TV shows to intro our episodes, I think I would want to use uh, Futurama's, time makes fools of us all. (laughs) So a cup of water falls off of the table and then it like hovers midair so we can see that time is all messed up and and it happens across the whole ship. Everyone on the ship feels it and Pilot calms them and is like, hey, did you two feel that? And Zan's like, oh yeah, we felt that.
0: Their side-banging has allowed them to feel the fact that they're stuck in a time lock.
1: Side-banging.
0: Yeah, side-banging.
1: PSY, okay.
0: Not side-banging.
1: Actually, I I heard a D in there. I thought it was (laughs) side-banging. Which, I don't even know how that works, but aliens, I guess.
0: So, back on the planet where Erin's been spending all of her time, she's talking to her granddaughter about, you know, Crichton adjusting to, you know his new life here trapped in this small fenced off part of the galaxy
1: and it's been she says it's been a few cycles and he hasn't adjusted so we know it's you know been been a few years this kind of episode like the trope of this episode usually has people growing old together mm-hmm. like I mean, we got that episode in Futurama, the the real finale, after, like, there were three finales. Yeah. And there's an episode in Magicians where this happens, where they grow old together, where Elliot and Quentin grow old together, live a whole life together, and then, you know, they come back to the present.
0: I feel like we kind of have to talk about that one Star Trek episode that everyone likes for no reason.
1: Inner Light?
0: Yeah. Picard takes a really long time to learn how to play a recorder. (laughs)
1: Okay, I mean yeah, that happens too. Yeah. Picard lives a whole life and then comes comes back. Uh, well the the thing about this episode and and, and Picard's a different one for the reason'm I'm, I'm about to uh, to explain. these episodes usually would have John and Aaron growing old together. Mm-hmm. but Aaron lived 165 cycles before John showed up. So instead of living a life with Aaron, which you would think would be his ideal, we know that's what he wants, John shows up and feels like Aaron has lived a life without him.
0: Because she did.
1: Because she did. She married, she had children, she has grandchildren now. Like, Aaron already lived her whole life and he missed out on his chance to be with Aaron, even though he is, you know, with Aaron now.
0: Mm -hmm. Old Aaron.
1: Old Aaron. Also, he still, don't forget, has, has Scorpius, the chip Scorpius in his head. Hmm. So that's that's a problem, too.
0: So, speaking of the inner light, John, an- there's another time skip, and John morphs into an albino orc. It's weird, because the, the uh...
1: Oh my god, the old age makeup looks fine on Aaron. I don't know why, like, could Ben Browder not st- st- sit still in the makeup chair? It looks <sighs> horrifying. Yeah,
0: like... Aaron just looks like an older version of Claudia Black. Ben Browder looks like a monster.
1: He does. He does.
0: Especially because he's like, what, supposed to be 70? But he doesn't look 70. He looks like an orc.
1: Well, when we see him again later, when it's 55 years later, I think that's supposed to be like 10 years after this. So he's supposed to be like 60. That's, that's not what 60-year-old human men look like. That's, that's, it's not good. It's not good.
0: Nope. Also, his, uh, he, he, his old man voice is basically just a southern accent, which what? was a deeply bizarre acting choice.
1: Yeah, I mean, why, why did you grow an accent when you got old, Ben Browder? But you know what? It's fine. It's fine.
0: Whatever. <laughs>
1: Oh, So back on Moya, everybody felt the time void. They saw the time knife. Mm. And they conclude that this means that Stark is right. Moya is trapped in the center halo of time, and they're the ones who aren't experiencing time, which means Aaron is aging normally, which means... Everyone you knew is dead now, including your son, Dargo, because Luxons don't live as long as Sebastians do.
0: John's kid's probably at and about though. Yeah. From the Mind the Princess episodes.
1: Yeah. She's she's probably she's about the same age as uh well, she's older than Aaron's grandchildren. She's probably about the age of Aaron's sons. Mm. Yeah. And also the 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 halo they're in, the mist that they're in. Gets harder and harder. So soon they won't be able to escape it at all. But they need to stay in there at least another hour because that's when it's going to open again and John would theoretically be able to get back to them. So that is the. uh,
0: Assuming he's still alive.
1: Assuming he's still alive. So those are the stakes.
0: So John's singing to himself as he wanders through a very pleasant looking
1: forest. And we saw this. We actually, we saw Aaron and her granddaughter planting these trees the fir- in the first shot on the planet. So now we see that it's become a forest.
0: These and trees must grow faster than normal trees.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what kind of trees these are either, but they, um, they almost look like cherry blossoms. Uh, they're not cherry blossoms, but they almost have like a cherry blossom kind of flower on them. Mm-hmm. I really like this. Yeah. Um, and John is John is singing a, uh, a Ren Faire song.
0: <laughs> and he comes up to even older Aaron. And even older Aaron's like, it feels like yesterday when we planted these trees. And John's like, yes, it's, it's almost like this was only to demonstrate a passage of time.
1: Well, I mean, if you're not going to be sitting in front of a department store so that you can watch the fashions change over time, next best thing is to be in a forest where you can see the plants.
0: And they talk about how... Uh, Aaron's granddaughter's married and, you know.
1: I see. I like that they threw that line in there so that there's no question that John pursued something with her. Like, that's not what happened. She married some other guy. I'm really glad that they, like, threw that line in there to let us know that. Because there's no other reason to put that line in there.
0: Yeah. John does not like her new husband because he's boring. And speaking of boring, he's like, everything's so boring around here. It's so peaceful and no one's trying to murder me or mutate me into some kind of monster probably although it would be redundant at this point but
1: john is like i was an astronaut and i flew amongst the stars and i've been stuck on this planet instead and aaron's like oh yeah what a nightmare i've been here 165 years longer than you and i was born in space it's the only thing i knew and Aaron, but what she does say is, you know, was it terrible living here on the planet with me? And John's like, no, you know that you're the thing that keeps me going.
0: I mean, he says that the only thing that stopped him from killing himself was that Aaron was here. Which, really, John, you can't, ha- you can't handle hanging out on peaceful, nothing happens planet?
1: Well, I think this is interesting because Aaron, left to her own devices, met someone, settled down, had a family, had a life. John, left to his own devices, is only able to mourn that he didn't get to have that life with Aaron. Like, he's he's only able to, like, follow her around and be afraid of being in her dead husband's shadow. He's not able to, you know...
0: Get on with his life.
1: Get on with his life. Or even lead a life with Aaron. It, she drops the locket, and he's like, whose picture's in there? And she's like, you know whose picture's in there. My husband, the, uh... The love of my life, and he's like, I think it's my picture. You know, like this is a running joke they have. Except that we the audience, this is another thing, we're already there. Obviously it's John's picture in there. We know that. Yes. But
0: We've seen fiction before.
1: <laughs> but he doesn't open it. He 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 doesn't uh he doesn't want to look inside and be proven right or wrong.
0: Yeah. Schrodinger's emotional hook.
1: Exactly. Which is, like, emblematic of how John lived his entire life on this planet, right? He just assumed that Aaron was pining for her dead husband, and that she had no interest in being with him, so even though they were together, they were not together. It's actually really tragic.
0: I mean, it's sort of a thing with John that I feel like, since you've spoiled to me that they are going to get back to Earth at some point, it feels like a thing about John's character where... He doesn't actually want things. He just wants to want things. Huh. He wants to get back to Earth, but he doesn't actually want to get back to Earth. He just wants to have that goal.
1: That's interesting. Although I do think he genuinely does want to be with Aaron. He just doesn't know how to do that. I, I...
0: I mean, he had his opportunity. He had 55 years-ish to be with Aaron, and nope.
1: Yeah, no, so, that's a that's a good point. I I was going to quote uh, tangled here though, and say, uh, "You were my dream."
0: Mm. So, Aaron, John, and Aaron's granddaughter, Equilax, Esquilax, Enix, Enix. They're back on the windy desert planet, so John can get back to Moya, and Aaron can die in space.
1: But she's a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers are born in space, and they die in space. It's their deal. It's their jam.
0: I really love this conversation she has with her granddaughter, because her granddaughter's like, you should be here with us. You should stay here with us, and Aaron talks about how she was born among the stars, and she she loves her granddaughter. She loved, you know, her granddaughter's father. Um, Like, she loved the life she had here, but she uh she needs to be among the stars when she dies. She
1: needs to go out on her terms. Yeah. And so they make contact with pilot, they get in the transport ship to to go up. And there's a there's a moment of hesitation where because of the mist they're not coming into each other. It's like they're coming in, but then now they're not coming in and now they can't make contact, but Oh, there it is. The ship did wait for us. They did decide to wait for us. It's weird how they set those stakes that they had to wait an hour, but the mist is closing up. But then we didn't really get anything on the ship with that.
0: Yeah, it feels like they just had like four minutes to kill or something because they're like, oh, no, the signal's not getting through. Wait, 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 wait. There it is.
1: Well, they sh- they should have kept us in suspense as to whether or not Moya had decided to leave them behind. I mean, I know at the end of the day, we assume that they didn't because...
0: And there's more of the series to go.
1: Yeah, but Farscape being Farscape, that's not necessarily always the case. Like, I told you, a major front-credited character dies in a way that I do not feel like is a cheat and stays dead, other than the one you know about on this show. Uh, so, you know... Anyone can die.
0: Mm. And yet I'm willing to bet John makes it through to the end.
1: So the transport gets back to Moya, but Aaron is dead. She died in the transport on the way back to Moya, but at least she died in space. That's what she wanted. Yes. But it's it's still very sad, you know. It's very sad when they open the hangar and John is there in the transport holding dead Aaron.
0: And they're like, John, what makes you think that you've aged all of this time? Now they're past <laughs> that now, but.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, John is very old, and they, they fill him in on the whole thing where they're trapped in the time void. And they can't figure out how to get out. Everything's too hard. And Stark tells them that what they have to do is leave the same way that they came in. So what they have to do is just go backwards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they ask Pilot. You know, why don't you just starburst backwards? And pilot's like, well, Leviathans aren't really designed to starburst backwards. And they're like, well, why don't you try it? And pilot's like, okay, so actually, we've been trying it for like the past hour. It's not working. We we can't starburst backwards. Yeah, pilot doesn't want to charge backwards, right? Like, put all the energy and go backwards because it might destroy the ship. Pilot wants to go forwards and just land on the planet, and all of them live out their lives on the planet forever. I guess forever. So they have a big discussion about which to do, and everyone votes that they would like to take the risk of getting their lives back. And Pilot is outvoted, even though he's the one who's going to be torn- I mean, I guess they'd all die if is torn apart, but I, I feel like Pilot's vote should override their vote, but it doesn't, so they're going to go backwards.
0: Yeah, everyone seems very, very resistant to just living a peaceful life on quiet forest planet.
1: Well, okay. I mean,
0: I get it. Dargo's looking for his kid.
1: Also, you know, we we were trashing John for not being able to just live a quiet life, but he does have Scorpius in his head. John is really not going to be able to lead a good normal life until he gets Scorpius out of his head. And so he lived for 55 years with that without being able to, you know, ever really be alone with his thoughts or not have an S&M alien tormenting him.
0: Okay, on one hand, yes. But on the other hand, I feel like I don't particularly care for what makes humanity special things. Uh huh. But I feel like one of the things that does make humanity special is our ability to get used to basically anything.
1: <laughs> That's true, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, there's a bunch of pretty horrible stuff that was not routine that we just got used to because it became the normal thing.
1: Yeah. You would think after a while he'd just learn to live with Scorpius in his head. That's just a good point.
0: Also, I feel like that would be worse for brain chip Scorpius.
1: Right? I mean, we even, we didn't talk about the conversation they were having, but John was kind of taunting brain chip Scorpius and being like, guess you're not getting that wormhole knowledge now because I'm going to die on this planet.
0: I'm thinking more he has to be there every time like John goes to the bathroom or, you know.
1: Oh, I'm sure he just like shuts himself down. It's like, Nope. I don't wanna see that.
0: And that'd be a good way for John to have private conversations just you pull down his pants every time he wants to. I mean it would suck for whoever he's talking to, but whatever. He's old, he doesn't care.
1: It's 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 like in Game of Thrones when all of the exposition scenes happened with people having sex. So it's it's just nothing but sex position. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, John, before they starburst backwards, looks at dead Aaron's locket, and wouldn't you know it, he's the person in the locket. wah, wah. What a surprise- I, I mean, I don't know why he did sad trombone. Yeah. It's, it's not sad, but it's-
0: It's sad that she loved him and he, you know, didn't engage for literally no reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I was thinking more, this is totally new information! <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're not casting an actor just to be a picture in a locket.
1: <laughs> oh, so they they manage to starburst hard backwards for for a minute. For for a minute, everything is frozen, and Moya is unable to move. And Zan and Stark realize what they have to do to save the day.
0: Yes, because time has become like chunky time behind them too. Uh huh. So everything's slowing down, and soon it's going to be totally still and they're like wait a second if we use brain sex if we ha- if if i jump on your side dick then it will by the way the baby's not here anymore if i jump on your side dick then it'll create an anti-time boning field xan and, then- <laughs> and
1: stark are gonna fuck their way out of this mess and
0: well they they send their psychic sex shield around old john Mm -hmm. so he can manually instigate starburst i don't get why like because everyone is still conscious as the time freeze is going on is i thought pilot was like psychically connected to moya why would john doing a manual thing be more effective than pilot why don't they put the psychic shield around pilot
1: Okay, so I have to assume that the things that are on command are, like, involve outside forces. So it's like, if I I had something going on and I couldn't move my arm, you could still lift my arm up.
0: Mm. Oh, also by exiting the time place at the same place they went in. They'll undo all of the time effect.
1: Well, they think they might. They're hoping that they will so that everyone gets young again. Yeah,
0: they're going to because there's no way they're putting John in all this old age makeup every episode. Oh my
1: God, can you imagine? So, okay, I... It's a good thing
0: Aaron's not here because John's like, yeah, I'll totally kill all of Aaron's grandchildren, whatever.
1: So just... I, I know that we talk a lot about this being a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. But I just have to say how much like a role-playing game this feels like in this episode. Specifically because they bring in Stark to drop a plot hook because nobody's doing what the what the GM wants them to be doing. But also because it's such a, a role-playing thing for the GM to be like, well, you only really have those kinds of psychic powers while you're having sex. So I don't think he can really get you out of this situation. And then the player is like, I have sex with Stark! And I do it And the GM's like You're gonna you should you Okay, I guess that works. Okay, whatever. Okay, Zan, my god.
0: We need a way out of this situation, <laughs> so fine.
1: Meanwhile, meanwhile the GM's like, I totally had like a whole thing that I had planned for how you were gonna get out of it, but no, okay. Alright, you fuck your way out. Alright, fine, done. It works. Be happy
0: So yeah. Basically Stark and Zan use Their mind sex to protect John from the time wave long enough for him to reverse starburst them out of there. Everyone's young and no one remembers what happened except Zan has an oogly woogly foreboding, you know, premonition of what's going to happen. Well,
1: Zan and Stark remember because they were
0: having brain sex during the event.
1: Yeah, and everybody knows that preserves your memory. So she wakes up <laughs> So she wakes up out of her out of her meditation and she and Stark are running through the corridors because for whatever reason the comms aren't working. That's a bizarre thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. They're like, No, don't go into the mist. Stop
0: And everyone's like, Fuck you, Xan and uh Stark. We're gonna do whatever we want. We're gonna go into the mist and it's like, Why are you not listening to them? And they they do eventually, like They need to be talked into it, but, like, if the two psychic people you know are like, hey, it's a bad idea to do this thing, maybe don't do the thing. Maybe don't go, like, why shouldn't we do the thing, psychic people?
1: I do like that Zan and Stark didn't do this whole thing where they tried to awkwardly explain what happened. They're just like, we had a vision! We're psychic, and we had a vision, so stop. And everybody's like, okay, I accept that. You had a vision, okay.
0: Since when do you have visions? <laughs> she
1: was meditating.
0: It's Nobody fine. really
1: knows Stark's power set.
0: Not that anyone has a consistent power set in the first place, so. Yeah. So they avoid the space pubes, the cosmic pubes. And Zan and uh, Stark are talking about like, so did we, like, time abort Aaron's kids and grandkids? And Stark's like, nah, it's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah Stark's like, no, it's probably just, it's an alternate dimension. Or, you know, it's an alternate timeline. An alternate timeline was created. They're still out there. They're fine. Although they probably are really sad because from their point of view, Aaron is dead. And it's like, well, but she, did, that happened anyway.
0: Yeah, Aaron did die, so.
1: Yeah. And now, okay, this is weird because this is where the show should end. This is where the episode should end. But we have this, like, weird structural thing where now we need to set up the next, like, five episodes.
0: Well, you know how Modern Simpsons works where they switched from the three-act structure to a four-act structure so they could do another commercial break? Uh Uh-huh. So there's just, like, this little mini-act at the end of every Modern Simpsons episode that's just... It really, it kills the pacing for Modern Simpsons, especially if you're watching it without commercial breaks. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, oh yeah, and then there's a little extra bit because we wanted to put an uh-huh. extra commercial in. The baby's back, by the way. It's like,
1: um, really? Although in this case, it's not because they wanted to put in a...
0: Extra commercial break?
1: Yeah, it's it's because they wanted to give us a cliffhanger for...
0: The next episode.
1: The next five episodes. Ugh. No, no, it's okay. We get we get another three-part episode that's basically a movie coming up.
0: Okay. So, Stark goes up to uh, Darko and he's like, So, when I was, you know, gadding about off-screen in the universe, I uh, found out that a half uh, whatever the hell you are half Sebastian kid was up at a slave auction. And like, see, look, it's, it's definitely your kid. And Darko's like, I'll kill you! I'll kill you for moving this plot forward!
1: like how dare you be on this ship for two days and not tell me and he's like well i was waiting for xan to wake up because i knew that you would lose your shit at me and yep <laughs> and Sorry, I- baby. <laughs> and i wanted Zan to be here to calm you down and Zan's like yeah calm down dargo we're obviously gonna go save your son so let's do that now
0: oh look it's my least favorite dargo trait finally back to ruin the character for me <laughs> Oh, no, someone's doing something positive. I better lose my temper. I better lose my temper at them and attempt to kill them for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the thing that made him completely intolerable for the first part of the show, where he actively gets in the way of plots moving forward for no reason.
1: Well, it's okay. He, he came around really quickly, though, at least.
0: Yeah, he only tried to strangle uh, Stark a little bit. <laughs>
1: And then we have the final sequence where Aaron and John are in the hangar bay with no memory of the life they lived together. And Aaron realizes that the locket that Shana gave her is fused shut. So she tries to figure out how to pry it open. And when she does, it's filled with just dust, dust right? Because the picture of John has turned to dust.
0: Space dust in the space wind.
1: Space dust in the space wind. And she and John kind of look at it like, Per second, they might have a memory of what happened, but then that too is space dust. Yeah, credits.
0: And then they both play the recorder, and then it never comes up again, except in I think one other episode where yeah, well, John Luke Picard plays the recorder.
1: Yeah, that that is what happened.
0: I'm sorry, that episode is so boring.
1: I, I have no issues with that episode, although I did enjoy the Allison Pregler video taking tearing it apart.
0: We watched it separately from that though, right? Like, I I feel like we did and it's just, oh my God, nothing happens for so long, which will interfere with my thing because now that we're done talking about this episode, I feel like I like it a lot less than I liked it when we were just watching it because a lot of this episode is, it's not focused on the right stuff. I know after smack talking the inner light, this is going to sound weird, but we, I feel like we really should have spent more time with John and Aaron on the planet.
1: Yeah, we definitely should. All that stuff I was filling in about John not feeling like he could be with Aaron and the torment of having Scorpius and all that, that's all stuff I'm filling in, but the show should have given us that.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the thing that makes me think of this as such a strong episode is really just a couple of scenes.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. A little out of order here. Let's talk about our segment, Looking for a Way Home, which is Mm -hmm. what emotionally resonated with you this episode.
0: Okay. Okay. It was, it was Aaron's speech to her granddaughter about why she wanted to die in space.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: That was, that was the big emotional thing. And the thing is, this should be such a strong John and Aaron episode. And parts of it are. I like the part, even with his terrible southern accent and weird orc face. I like the scene with him and Aaron in the woods after the forest has grown. Yeah. I like that. And I'm like. And the thing is, it happens really late in the episode, so when we were done watching it, I was like, that was probably my favorite episode of Farscape thus far. But it just, it made me forget how much boring nothing the first part of the episode was. Ugh. The whole episode should have just been about John and Aaron's life on this planet.
1: I I agree completely. Like, how strange for a Looking for a Way Home segment... Neither of us are talking about a John and Aaron moment in an episode that's one of the foundational John and Aaron episodes, because my moment is Aaron and Pilot, when Aaron's saying goodbye to him. Like, that's, that's the moment that resonates with me.
0: So, I guess we don't really have a strange alien creature thing, except I did really like Aaron's old age makeup, because it just made her look like older Claudia Black.
1: It's weird how they had good old age makeup for Claudia Black, but not for Ben Browder. I don't even know what to make of that. Mm. So, our final segment is...
0: We did them in reverse order. We did we did looking for a way home first, but emotionally connected with us. Then we did strange alien creatures.
1: So, our final segment is normally our first segment. I guess that's appropriate for an episode about time being screwed up and backwards moving. So, our final segment, normally our first segment, which is any world-building work for you in this episode.
0: Okay, I did really like the concepts of just... This sort of, we talked about it as them being trapped on a planet, but it's not. It's like a little universe that's trapped in there. Because they talk about being able to go to dis- to different planets in this very small, self-contained universe. And I like the concept of that. I wish they had done more with it. Because it's kind of telling that for John, it's not just having a planet. It's having a small universe to explore was not enough for him.
1: Yeah yeah I I also really like this pocket universe and if they had done as we said they should have and and focused more on John and Aaron and their life together we would have necessarily learned more about this pocket universe and yeah the episode would have been stronger for it hmm
0: so it kind of turned around on it because I really liked this when we started and now I'm like hmm it has a couple really good scenes but for the most part
1: yeah it's it's a strong it's a stronger premise than it is an episode. Hmm. And you know what? Claudio Black always brings it. Yeah. She, Claudia Black always comes to play. And I do appreciate any episode where the solution is having sex to to rescue an entire ship of people. That's, I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree with that.
0: So that'll about do it for this week. What's next up on the docket?
1: Next on the docket is The Ugly Truth. After one of their ships is destroyed by Talon, an alien race plans to execute Crichton, Aaron, Dargo, Zan, and Stark. Okay. So I think that'll do it for this week. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd also like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show
0: in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television.
0: We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love television Zines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories.